0: Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's WM Phoenix Open. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, they changed the name.
1: They changed the name. Now, I understand why. It's a a rebrand, and it's not a rebrand of this tournament. It's a rebrand. Waste Management has done this rebrand to WM. Now, um, I've seen this happen before with big companies. It allows you to, it changes the perception a little bit. It gets you away from a singular focus. Like when, when you first come out and you're in a, a new company, you want to be very, you, you need to explain what you are mm. and then you grow to a place where you're big, you're more than that. And you want to, for instance, FootJoy Foot has done this with FJ and they do so much more than just shoes that it makes sense, and, and FJ is becomes more recognizable. So, look, I, I mean, there's not a tournament on the PGA Tour that needs a rebrand less than this one, but, look, I, I mean, waste management's a monster, so I understand why they've gone to WM to a degree.
0: Uh, also joining us today, it's SN, the analyst formerly known as Sia Najad. maybe you should just rebrand to S.N.,
2: yeah, it's very catchy. Welcome to the FC podcast, everyone. <laughs> Real Thank quick, you. Rick and Greg, I have really good news. You can put John Rom and Justin Thomas in your lineup, and you have 6,850 left to disperse among four other players. Good news. I'm looking at you, James
0: Hahn, Hank Lebiota. I'm sure we'll get to it, but I'm just saying. Did you have to invoke James Hahn this early in the show? Sorry. Do, do we remember this from last year? James Hahn had a multiple shot lead going to the back nine. Our friends over at Caesars had him mismarked and he was in for, he was in the field. Uh, He was not listed out separately. He was 150 to one with a three shot lead. I unloaded every dollar that I own onto it. And of course he immediately just crumbled to pieces.
1: Yep. Well, I'm yeah, glad Rick, to see that you're still in your house, Rick, uh, because <laughs> as as barely. they say, odds are uh, they only they only count if you win. Uh,
2: uh, uh, Rick, God. I had a similar I ticket. I had a similar ticket on James Hahn, but I actually he was actually in the field. I had him at 80 to one around that time that you probably had him 150 to one. And it was crash and burn right at right on the turn on the back nine. I think it was crash yeah. and burn time for him.
0: Yeah, he made the turn. He looked at the scoreboard. And he went, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm winning this event. Are you out of your mind? I better crumble real quick. Uh, we are live. Oh, yeah, we're live. We're on YouTube right now. So go ahead, utilize the live chat. You can ask questions, bring up random topics, voice your concerns, whatever you want. And producer Jacob's feeling quite frisky on this Monday. So he says for every 30 likes that this video gets, he's just going to start making it rain with three-month codes to Sportsline. He's just going to start dropping them, so make sure you've liked the video, and you can go watch The Early Edge on youtube.com slash sportsline. Greg, I turned on YouTube this morning. I clicked The Early Edge, and the coach, along with Larry, are live from the Super Bowl. They are coming in hot from the roof of some Marriott. I was like, where's... uh, Did our invite get lost in the mail there?
1: Yeah, I am only mildly offended my feelings are only mildly hurt but they're definitely hurt um but i'm look it's the coach i'm happy for him i'm i'm uh well i'm guessing that means that it's going to be another week until uh, another week at least until we get him Back here on the first cut in his regular spot so yeah i don't think we're going to see coach this week
2: yeah hey um you'll see me on the early edge tomorrow a little cross promotion i believe i'm on at five o'clock tomorrow to talk some uh super bowl props that's eastern standard time so check me out with coach are they flying you in or do you have to do it remotely i am catching a private jet uh (laughs) right after this show actually it was going to be an hour ago but i really wanted to do this show so i'll be i'll be there live of course no i'll be sitting here with the same backdrop
0: Catch the old PJ to, uh, to L.A. <laughs> All right, let's jump into this. TPC Scottsdale, we know this one. I'm going to share my screen. This is my website, rickrungood.com. I'll, I'll provide the visuals for uh for the show here. And Greg, it's par 71, only three par fives. There's a lot of kind of risk-reward and jockeying that happens kind of down the stretch of this event. You've got desert golf. How do you start assessing TPC Scottsdale, of course, that we see every single year on tour? It's a, it's a course that a lot of different
1: kind of players can handle, but what I've seen is great iron players win here, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, you think of a TPC course, they're designed for PGA tour players. They're built for events like this. That's why you see the stadium course. uh, uh, There are a couple having, you know, cathedral type settings. They're designed exactly for this. So it's no surprise that at most stadium courses, the most important aspect is iron play. And that's why we get great, you get great champions. But you think about Brooks Kepka. It seems that every time Brooks Kepka wins, he leads the field in strokes gained approach. Um, I mean, at Bethpage Black, he dominated it with his iron play. So when he's playing well, that's the strength of That's a, a strength of his game. Then you go back to Webb Simpson in 2019, uh, 2020, excuse me. 25. When web won, and when when web he that year he was what fifth on tour, and strokes gained approach the green. So it's no surprise to me that when I, when I look at your model here, I see a six, the lowest number next to approach the green. It's the most important aspect. Um, see, you know, you have another another great field this week, um, a, a phenomenal. It's probably better, probably a better field this year than than even last year, and a lot of these great players are great iron players. So there's there's going to be a lot of nice things to choose from here.
0: Yes. The six that Greg is referencing means that only five other courses on the PGA tour is strokes gained approach more correlated to success. When you go back and run the numbers for the last dozen years or so, Justin Ray had a similar stat about, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but basically guys who rank out well at the end of the season in strokes gained approach, uh, tend to overperform here. So it kind of passes the eye test, kind of passes the stat test as well. Sia Najat, 18 of the top 30 players in the world, teeing it up, Victor Hovland, John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay, uh, some of the top guys, uh, just to name a few. But this is this is star-studded. We're getting into this event. We're going to do the Florida Swing. We're, we're, we're going to get a lot deeper events here moving forward for a while. Yeah, and maybe for like the fifth or sixth time, but definitely the last
2: time. <laughs> the golf season has officially started. And yeah, I right, only right say that because, yeah, right now, this moment, because I only say that because Listen, the course rotation thing—it was—it was—you know—we had a few tournaments in a row of that, and it was great. It was very exciting. It's not like I hated it, but I feel like now we're on kind of like the same. Everybody's on the same playing field every single day. We've got a lot more of the the world golf ranking guys in here in these tournaments and the the subsequent tournaments uh, right after this. So this is this is really exciting. I, I think there. I think over the next, let's say, three to four tournaments we're really going to find out which of these elite players is actually in elite form and and which of these elite players needs some time. And I think this tournament is going to be a really good barometer of where some of these guys are.
0: I want to get into the board, but how about this question from Terry, Greg? There's a couple of questions here I want to get to, but I'll get to them at the right time. Terry says, did you know that in even numbered years, Henley has missed the WM cut? That does not, I think we can not even cover Henley this week. It's an even year. He's going to miss the cut.
1: You know these things, um, I have a funny way of only using these kind of statistics when they count in my favor. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems every time I try, they fail. You
0: and everybody else, buddy,
1: only yeah. use them when these in these your don't field. hold they're they're more often than not coincidences uh, unless somebody just simply plays well every year. when it's the you know, Bubba Watson and even years kind of deal, which is he's the most common even year success story. They, oh yeah, which is interesting that he came in second this week. Um, mm.
0: But anyway, and, anyway, and, 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 yeah. we'll provide the 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 real trends and the real analysis. We'll jump into the cheat sheet, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than seventy five percent of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only ten percent will seek out a solution. For that pain, those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing. The biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between. But solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play these super feet insoles go into your shoes give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body not just your feet insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue reduce injury and improve comfort i can attest to that myself, especially when walking a a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating And we're back. Let's jump into the cheat sheet. Five golfers over ten thousand dollars. Eleven thousand six hundred for John Rahm, eleven thousand flat for Justin Thomas. Patrick Cantley checks in at ten seven. Hideki Matsuyama at ten four. And one Victor Hovland at ten thousand two hundred. Sia Najad, the big boys at the top of a big boy field. What are we doing? Yeah, they're all great.
2: This is a classic case of there it's really going to be hard, if not impossible, to criticize any of these guys. There are three guys that really jump out to me. One is going to be obvious. It's John Rahm. I will note that, you know, his history here isn't as elite as I thought it might be. I mean, just looking at the last five years on your cheat sheet. I thought maybe he'd have had a, you know, a second or third place in there, maybe a top five. You know, he hasn't really cracked that barrier yet. Oh, Rick, you might be on mute.
0: God. Every time I take a sip, I always forget to unmute Rookie. myself. Are, two, are five top 16 finishes not good enough for you, Sia? No, it's great.
2: Uh, in fact, it, and I don't, you know, listen, uh, one thing I did want to mention here is course history, just like last week, I think is going it's going to be really important here. I'm just surprised. That's all. Rom's been good yeah. for quite some time. I, I just thought he would have maybe at one of those five, he would have cracked the top five. But speaking of cracking the top five, number one in ball striking last 36 rounds, number one in DraftKings points. Uh, so obviously like he's going to check all the boxes off the tee, particularly, well, particularly off the tee approach a little bit too. Um, he's lacking a little bit in the, around the green game. If you want to give him some sort of like demerit for something, but everything's really clicking. And honestly, I actually think he's going to win this tournament. I know that's not like a crazy statement, but I don't usually say something like that about the favorite. I think this is John Rons to lose
0: the last number one golfer in the world reigning number one player to win on the PGA tour was uh
1: in it was a uh, you
0: know it Greg come on buddy. yes I do um it was in 2020 it Dustin Johnson at the Dustin, Masters Dustin Johnson at the Masters congratulations yeah so John Ron will look to add his name to that list okay Greg and I'll come back to you see you. we can get to the other guys that uh you mm-hmm. were referencing here but when you start to break down this ten thousand dollar range speaking of giving guys demerits Greg it's kind of hard it's kind of hard to knock any of these guys.
1: It is now look in a field like this. I, I think that $11,600 price tag on John Rahm is really high. And I could see that being a uh, demerit where, you know, I mean, it, it takes away a little bit of value. I would think um, where last week, Patrick Cantlay was at 11 too and was probably the best play in the field. Right. He made the most sense. He, he provided a ton of value. Um, I saw a statistic about that. I'm not sure exactly how you how you measure that, but um, uh, that I could see that being a little knock to value, especially for a guy that hasn't won. But all all, all that being said, the fact that John Rom hasn't won, I think, is closer to a good thing than a bad thing in a week like this, right? It keeps you really hung. It keeps you really hungry, and and he is itching for a win, and that's going to lead to success whether it's a win or not, it's going to lead to a nice tournament and he's going to be a factor on Sunday. So if you have John Rahm in your lineups, you're going to feel like you have a chance going into Sunday. Um, That's, that's definitely a fact, but there are, I think everybody else in this range is a a viable option. I mean, I, I love, I love Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland's won three of his last five events. These don't even count. These don't even count when it comes to strokes gain numbers and you look at what he's done approaching the green. I mean, you got to scroll all the way back to the last time he lost strokes approaching the green was the masters. He's getting, Oh, I I guess he did it. He lost a little bit at CJ cup, but still, if you go to strokes, gain ball striking, you got to go all the way to the API. He gains every week. It is. So, I mean, what he does approaching the green in, in desert golf, Where, by the way, um, his performance in the Dubai Desert Classic and Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship, those are, although they're overseas, that's desert golf. And now I look to a week like this, and he stands out to me. I mean, his likelihood of winning is as high as anybody in this range.
0: It's no coincidence that uh, he came on my podcast and has won three times in his five starts since. And finish T four. I think that is those are one hundred percent aligned with one another. I mean,
1: that's as (laughs) I would say as strong, if not stronger, than the Russell uh, birthday
0: narrative. (laughs) The birthday narrative. Yeah. We'll have to factor that into the models at this yeah, point. We'll have to we'll have to factor that in. Yeah. So so here's Victor's numbers. I've got the uh the strokes gain total stuff for uh the European tour as well. And he's it's just absolutely bonkers, right? I mean the guy just never loses, and it seems that he's getting better and more comfortable. And it's 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 kind of scary stuff at the moment. So see, we'll bounce this, we'll bounce this back to you. We're we're going to have to draw lines, right? We can't, you said we can play rob and Thomas, but I, I doubt most people will take you up on that offer. There are gonna be some guys that we're, we're not going to play how how do we split hairs here well one way
2: is and if victor if you're listening please just turn the volume down or distract <sighs> yourself for the next few seconds uh, listen he, victor hoblin doesn't really have the requisite course experience that i'd want i'm trying to kind of like knock people out here because there's not a, a lot of good reasons to knock them out miscut in 2020 doesn't really worry me i mean young golfer but at the same time, he doesn't have a lot of experience here. So I kind of just X him out and I go to guys like Justin Thomas, who I think is a very good course fit. I think he is a guy that's actually ready to win. I think this is a course where the putter could come around and spike the, the correct direction. So it's for me, it's John Rahm, it's Justin Thomas, but I feel like we have to talk about Hideki Matsuyama as well. Yeah. So just a quick stat on him. I went back, uh, Rick, on on your cheat sheet and, and some of the profiles. If you go back to February of last year, which was the WGC workday, February 28th, he's played 24 tournaments. 23 of them have had strokes gain data. He's gained ball striking in 21 out of those 23 (laughs) tournaments, most of them extremely significant. Oh, and by the way, the one tournament that didn't have strokes gain data that we can't lean on that ball striking percentage. He won. It was was the Zozo. Yes, Greg. And he (laughs) won it. So rest assured, it was 22 out of. Whatever twenty five that he actually, uh, or twenty two out of twenty four that he's actually gained ball striking over the last twelve months. It's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, this looks a lot like Justin Thomas is in kind of a a similar stretch of golf where he has, uh, we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the last time that he lost strokes on approach, which was Riviera last year. So he's kind of also in a, uh, in a very similar, or maybe those strokes gained total that he lost. Yeah. Strokes gained total that he lost, but basically has been piling up, uh, with the ball striking categories as well. Okay. Well, um, it is true that Victor has only played this event one time. He's missed the cut in 2020. Um, Greg, how are you starting to kind of split hairs here?
1: Um, this is this is a classic example where I I leave this range out when I'm building a lineup until last. Hmm. I try to leave room. I see who I like in the 9K range. I'm not starting my lineup in the. I'm not you know avoiding the the. 10k plus range. I'm trying to find everybody else first and see what I'm left with in that in, in that uh 10k plus range. And and that will help me so build the best team I can first and then see what I'm left with. Because I I can't find a reason to avoid anybody here. Maybe Patrick Cantlay is a guy I could rule out. Um which is crazy. Right? I mean, he even I even tried to do that. I guess he didn't hit the ball great last weekend. Maybe that's why I'd rule him out. Um, But he he could win. So all all of these guys, it's so hard for me to make decisions in this range without going to price. So I'm going to build everybody else and I'm going to find who I have room for and I'm going to play them. And the other thing I thought about doing is, well, what if we just played five lineups or six lineups and just had one with each guy, have a lineup with each guy at the top. And you, I mean, that's uh, typically not the strategy, but um, they're all that good. They could all, they, every single one of those players could start your lineup and I wouldn't have any problem with it.
0: Mm. All right. Well, let's see what the next tier of golfers looks like. Let's jump on down to the $9,000 range. Jordan Speeth, fresh off his runner up finish at Pebble Beach is 9,900. Xander Schauffele is 9,700. Our defending champion Brooks Koepka 94 with Sam Burns at 93 and Daniel Berger, we'll talk about him, $9,200. The rest of this range is Scotty Scheffler at ninety-one and Bubba Watson at 9000 See, there's a lot here. I think there's some guys that are trending in different directions. There's some question marks. What do we do with this $9,000 range?
2: Yeah, you said it. There's definitely some question marks. I mean, Daniel Berger is one that really jumps out at me from a question mark standpoint because I think he's a good price and a good course fit but I just don't exactly know where his back is. I think if you're making five lineups like Greg suggested, I think it might be a good idea to maybe include Daniel Berger in one and just assume that if he's teeing it up, if he's actually teeing it up, that he's going to be able to go the four rounds.
0: Yeah, are we going to get – I mean, we're probably not going to – get. I mean, hopefully a reporter asked Daniel Berger this week, um, especially after the Wednesday night withdrawal from last week, but we might not know. you're If you're, if you're willing to play Berger, I think it comes with a lot of risk-reward because, see, if he's like – 90% or he's healthy, he's piled up top 10s here. He's been one of the better players on tour in the last six months or so. I mean, would you be willing to take on the risk not knowing what you're getting if we don't hear anything else about Daniel Berger for the rest of the week?
2: Probably, because what it'll mean if we don't hear anything else, it means he's he's actually going to play. And, and you got to calculate that risk with the potential reward. And that reward is not many people are going to play him. So you know that if he does last the four days and he does top five or something like that or something near that, that he's really going to pay off and you're going to pass the field. The one thing I'll say about the injury is obviously I don't know what's going on with his back, but he did two Sundays ago. He was grabbing at his back early in the round and he just played right through it. So my take on that, is that he wanted to rest the back last week. But if he actually goes out on Thursday, my take is he trusts his back enough to go through the four rounds. And that even if it's feeling sore or something that would actually cause him to like grab his back, like he did a couple Sundays ago, that he would probably just play through it and play well, by the way, because on that Sunday, he played really well.
0: Last 50 rounds for everybody in this field. Daniel Berger is the sixth best player in terms of strokes gained total. So somebody you certainly want to keep an eye on if you were comfortable taking on that risk. Greg, when you start breaking down this $9,000 range, I've got, I've got a lot of options. I've got a defending champion. I've got Jordan Spieth magic. Like where would you start plugging these guys in from? I think, uh, I'll talk about
1: Jordan first. Okay. And then I'll, mentioned there's a player i got big questions about and i can't wait to get your thoughts so jordan Speeth um he knows how to ride a a streak right he rides momentum as well as anybody i've ever seen and and his this this roller coaster to me is is different there are some guys they have a week like jordan did last week where you seemingly lose a tournament with one five foot putt and that's your peak and the next week is a downturn but jordan doesn't do that jordan Keeps it going. He stays hot when he gets hot for a while. And so considering what he did last year at this venue, what he did last year at AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, although the order was reversed, right? I have to think this is going to be a great week for him. I love what he's doing with the golf swing. I, he found something with his irons. He made an adjustment in his swing. We talked about it last night a little bit that I think can really hold. And I think his confidence is, is beaming. So I love, what, I, I love what he's doing with his ball flight, too. The curve is a lot less. It's reduced a lot. And there are a couple shots on that back nine, 15, and 17 stand out to me where he hit it in the water last year, where he's going to have a, a different shot to play. At this tournament last year, everything he was trying to do was avoid a big miss to the right. So he was playing swooping draws. And it, it worked. But he's since tightened that down and he's playing much straighter shots, and he's playing a lot of fades as well. So I think he has a, a reliable cut shot he can hit. He's got a tight draw he can hit, and I love Jordan. The player that I'm most interested in, and this is not because it's an even year, though maybe there is something here, <laughs> but Bubba Watson. Right? But look at, If you look at what Bubba Watson has done at the Phoenix Open, the record yeah. is one thing, but what would you say... Mm. I'm not sure how to phrase that best. I guess putting is Bubba's weakness. But another weakness of his has been approach play. And look at look at what he's done approaching the green here. Yeah. I mean, he's gained every every start but one. Going back to 2008. Every single year he gains approaching the green. So I, I am wondering, the, the big question about Bubba is, is a trip from Saudi Arabia and a, you know, an emotional defeat in Saudi Arabia. Does that wear you out? Are you tired? But look at this. Now you go. You get rid of. You get rid of just the Phoenix filter, and you have all this. There's a lot of red in that approach. The green column. You go to the. You go to just Phoenix, and and it's all, all green in that column, and that difference is stands that, out. Is to that
0: me. is that a um, fits his eye better? Fits his shot shape better, or is this just like? Hey, he's, he's defying the odds by gaining strokes on approach this often at one, at one event. It's
1: hard to answer. I would say sure. there's definitely something that fits your eye. This is clear. It's clear that something fits your eye. This to me is almost like Corey Connors at the Sony open on the greens. You just get it. Right. Like all, all these players know how to hit a wedge shot. They all know how to hit an iron shot. It's not like, you know, they, sli- uh, I, I, uh, 20 handicap who always slices his driver it doesn't matter if it fits your eye. It fits your eye here. And he has an understanding of it. So I'm I'm very curious about Bubba. I'm mildly concerned with the travel and the fit the way last week ended for him. I mean, it's an emotional defeat. He came in second. But you, you think about that. A guy coming in on really good form who clearly just played well at another desert course. Comes to one of his this is a bubba course. This is a this is no question a bubba course, even though he hasn't won here. He's been he's, close a lot. He's
0: done everything but win here Right is, is what? How do you like uh look at that. I added the uh the Asian tour results in there. You guys like There that? you go. That was, that was hard to do. Come on. That's, yeah, uh, I like it. Rick. All right. Your going
1: places. You're almost ready for rrg.com. I'll get there one day.
0: Uh <laughs> see ya. Okay. I've got questions about Brooks. I've got questions about Xander. I've got questions about uh, I guess those are my biggest question marks and then I think Scheffler is probably playing better than I would have imagined. Any of those you want to tackle? Okay, first of all, I also like Bubba Watson quite a bit. And I
2: do think this is a course that clearly fits his eye based on just the the ball striking metrics that we're seeing with him. Uh if he's if he has a cool putter, I I think it's fine because of how well he he strikes the ball here. So those three are interesting. I think of the three you just mentioned, I like Scotty Scheffler the best. He had a seventh place finish last year, and he he did it the right way. And what I mean by that is he didn't gain like you know, nine strokes off the tee and two strokes putting. And he was like, you know, not gaining anything approach around the green. He basically gained across the board uh, last year. And I do think he's a good course fit as well. So, okay. And so we're looking at it now. So he lost around the green, but, you know, obviously the ball striking was, was pretty elite there for that um for that T7. So I, I think, you know, in terms of scoring in certain, in terms of like DraftKings Kings points and scoring and piling up the birdies, I do think Scotty Scheffler is fit to, uh, pay off his price tag. So in this range, actually this nine K range, I actually like Scotty Scheffler and Watson the best. I like Watson the best over Scotty.
0: Yeah. Scotty Scheffler has actually gained fantasy points to the field in over 75% of his career starts. That's a pretty massive number when you start getting to three quarters. So you're, you're right. See, even if it's not necessarily, you know, we're getting to the point where us as you know, news analysts are are being like, "Oh, Scotty needs to win." But if Scotty's in your fantasy lineup, he doesn't need to win, and he often he often outperforms his finishing position. And that's the whole thing is he doesn't need to win, especially
2: when you're at ninety one hundred. You just need to pile up the DK points, and and just we'll we'll see what happens from there. As far as Brooks and Xander, um, yeah. I do appreciate the course history for both. I, I think they're both fine plays. I don't think I'm going to get there just because my builds are probably going to start in that elite range, that 10 K and above range. And then I'll go down to either Watson or Scheffler. I think I'm passing right over those two guys. And for the record, the way Xander has done it the last couple of years, it's, it hasn't been like the formula that I'd want to see personally. Like he's not crushing it on approach the last two years here. He's gaining a lot off the tee, which is great, but the irons haven't really been dialed in. So that's an, again, it's a, it's a, maybe a
0: bad reason, but it's a reason for me to pivot off of them. Why is Brooks so hard to fade Greg? Like, like, not hard, but scary, right? If I was looking at this stat profile of basically anybody who has, who's in the $9,000 range, who's lost strokes to the field in six of seven, who has lost strokes on approach in six of eight, who's lost strokes off the tee in three straight, who's no longer putting as well, I'd be like, this this guy's a jabroni. No problem just moving away from this guy. But when I look at the name, it's hard. It's hard yeah, I to agree. just, like, not be scared of Brooks
1: crush yeah and look the reason is he he wins he's won here twice this is i mean is this a major for him i don't know but you you take a guy with the win equity that's as high as his and it's hard to pass on it's scary to pass on because you don't want to end the week saying i should have played brooks i knew this was a brooks week but unfortunately you're looking at a winner a tied 40 but you know 40th place or a missed cut And so, I mean, look, recent form for Brooks is not very important. He's proven that before he's proven it at majors where he doesn't, it it doesn't really matter what he's done recently. He can show up and win any week. And so that's scary to fade. The other thing is he's been talking about how he's grinding and, and he's been working on his game and all of a sudden he's a range rat. He joined the, the pack, the players, um, with players association committee and so now his interest in the PGA tour seems to be rising and i've always correlated brooks kepka's success with his effort and and that's based on things that he said and if he's putting in his full on uh, if he's giving an event his full attention then his performance goes way up so i've been waiting this year to see brooks's regular tour performance improve and it hasn't yet that's what makes it easy for me to fade him. I I, f- I felt like this is going to happen for a while now, and it hasn't. The other thing that makes it easy to fade, it, that makes him easier to fade, is the guys that are around him. So I have no problem. I mean, it, to pass on Jordan Spieth to play Brooks Kepka, to pass on Sam Burns, who we haven't even talked about, to play Brooks Kepka, or Bubba Watson, or Scotty Scheffler, to play Brooks Kepka. I mean, the one guy I would choose him over is probably Daniel Berger because I worry about in I worry about injury, especially backs, and wrists. That bothers that that bothers me. It keeps me away. Um, I think he's the only guy I'd rather have Brooks on my team than.
0: Fair enough. Listen, we're gonna move on to the eight thousand dollar range, but real quick, I'm gonna hit a, a question or two here in the chat. See, you get this one from Aiden. Thoughts on Jordan Spieth after Pebble Beach, kind of a runner up finish after a a, a poor stretch of golf at a place that he's dominated. Now he goes to Phoenix. What do you think? I hate to give this answer. I don't know what to do with Jordan Spieth ever after last week.
2: Listen, I know he had amazing course history, but coming off what he was coming off of in terms of the metrics. The The fact that he probably should have won, I mean, it was just, a, you know, a, a couple of errors down the stretch. The fact that he should have won is really, honestly, kind of a shock to me, given what we saw prior to that. I, I, listen, I don't think I'm going to play him this week. I think he's okay if you want to play him. I just think there's better course fits at cheaper prices than Jordan Speed
0: okay fair enough uh i believe we've just activated the first set of sports line codes jacob looks like he's dropping them in the chat right now so if we can get to another 30 likes we will continue to make it rain we're going to go on down to that eight thousand dollar range and continue to find value on this board but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners take your business
3: further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring.
0: Kind of a small $8,000 range here. Tony Finau, Louis Eustace, and Matt Fitzpatrick, Webb Simpson. They're at the top. The middle is Adam Scott, Seamus Power. And then the bottom is Corey Connors, Russell Henley. We've already chalked him up for a missed cut in 2022. Tom Hoagie and Harris English. So Greg, um, starting to get uh, into a bigger range. Starting to get guys we haven't seen in a while, Louis Tayson, Adam Scott, some guys we see every week. This is now that time of the calendar where you know the guys who haven't played are returning, the guys have been playing are still around, and we have to assess them on an even playing field.
1: So I'll start. Louis is a guy we haven't seen anywhere, so um, yeah, he gives me a little bit of pause, which is too bad because I love Louis. But um, Adam Scott stands out to me as the my favorite play in this range. Um, and the reason for that is we haven't seen him on the PGA Tour since the RSM, but we have seen him it, playing desert golf. And mm-hmm. he's got a, a T10 and a T9. And I know that's on the DP World Tour. I know it's different than the PGA Tour. But I, I love what he's done even on the PGA Tour approaching the green. His iron play has still been really quite good. Um, and his driving has been... Quite good. And the putting last year was the strength of his game. So I, I think Adam Scott's a player that's rounding in the form. And although his course history is, I think, none, um, I, I think this could be a great setup for him. And and I like the rhythm that he's in. I like the court. I like the fit. Um, and and I think this could be a really good play. The other guy I like always misses the cut in even years here, and it's it's Henley, and there's a, a lot to love about Russell Henley. His iron play is his strength again, which I think is the most important aspect this week. Um, and and he's been putting really well too, gained three out of the last four. Granted, wow. he lost uh, at the American Express on the greens, but that was only measuring two courses. How about this so giant purple? Good
0: week from Henley. How about this giant purple bar? Where he's by far, Henley is best surface is Bermuda, which yeah. is what they're going to get this week. So yeah. Yeah, Russ Henley. Uh, let's do it, baby. Let's fire it up. Sorry, he's not going to miss the cut this time around. If he does,
1: trends, I- see the trends always have a way of breaking when I use them in my favor. <laughs> uh, you know, playing Bubba Watson at the Masters this year. If I do it, it won't work. If I don't do it, it'll work, and there'll be a pattern. There's nothing to the patterns. There's nothing to patterns the pattern. like that. I, I mean, like that. that's just looking at something on paper, saying, "Nope." Oh, well, he missed the cut last year, made the cut this year, missed the cut last year. Made the cut this year, so he's got to
0: miss the cut this year. That that's not how it works. I am probably a bit more bullish on Louis Ustasen. We have not, so he withdrew at the RSM Classic. That's the last time we've seen him anywhere. But if you zoom out on Louis last fifty rounds, that's a pretty significant stretch of golf. He's the fourth best player in this field behind Rom, Cantlay, Seamus Power. That's raw. Uh, strokes gain numbers. So obviously Seamus Power getting a big boost from some of the weaker field events that he's been playing. But Sia, when you look at this $8,000 range, we've got last week's winner, Tom Hoagie. We've got, um, oh boy, Tony Finau's here. I mean, there's, there's kind of a little bit of everything.
2: This is an interesting range. It's not a range I'm super in love with, much like the 8K range last week that featured, by the way, Tom Hoagie, who <clears throat> I spent two minutes talking about, then also mispronouncing his name. Um, so it's one of those things where I have like one or two guys to to pick out here, but I'm not like super excited about any of them. As far as Louis and him not playing, like, I, I fear that too. But right below him is Matt Fitzpatrick. And he kind of disproved the theory that, like, if you haven't played in a while, you, you might be rusty. I mean, obviously, some people actually might be rusty. But it's just something to note with Matt Fitzpatrick, like, literally right next yeah, he played to He well, Played well last week. Played well with that sixth-place finish at, at Pebble. Um, you know, what's interesting about Louis, though, if you look at how he did it last year, you know, a T11, did you, I don't even know how this is possible, but he didn't gain ball striking. He was a negative in ball strike, which I just find super strong. I
0: think that was the stretch of golf where he ascended. I don't know what he finished at, but I'm pretty sure he was the number one putter on tour last season. I don't know if that was, I don't know if he finished the year that way, but there was a time of the year where he was. So yeah, I mean, he gained 4.2 strokes on the putting surface and another three around the greens. He just short gamed Mm -hmm. it to death. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that, I mean, again, that's just one tournament of sample size, but that does give me a little bit of pause. I'm not too, too worried about it. I think there's value at 8,800. The only other guy I want to mention in this range is Corey Connors at 8,300. I think the fact that he's coming off two missed cuts will probably have people or at least some people pivoting away from him. And let's say on to Russell Henley, for example, or maybe up to Adam Scott or Webb Simpson. So I think he might kind of like, he's not going to have super low ownership, but I think he's going to have lower ownership than people expect And if you look at his two missed cuts, yeah, I mean, you know, it's bad that you missed the cut twice, but his ball striking has been elite even through those two missed cuts. It was like we see here on YouTube, the Farmers, he just got crushed with the putter, but we know that can spike in his favor. But I'm just interested in the ball striking when it comes to Connors, and he's been good in that department.
0: Yeah, that's one round. The four and a half strokes he lost putting is one measured round at the south course um, before missing the cut. The last time he's missed back-to-back cuts – U.S. Open of 2020 and Punta Cana the week after back-to-back missed cuts for, uh, for for Corey Connors. I wanted to see what his ownership was last week. Do I have that somewhere? Did I move that? I used to have that on this tool. 15% and then I think he was lower than that uh, for the missed cut last week. So um, Okay, so let me pull out a couple of names here. Webb Simpson, Greg. Webb Simpsons won this event. Webb Simpson's finished runner up in this event. Web Simpson for the first time in a decade did not have a top three finish last year, but was 12th in strokes gain total. I'm I think people are panicking panicking on Webb, and I think he's gonna have a great year.
1: I'd I'd like to think that. Um I'm I, I haven't seen, you know, that iron play that we saw in 2020 when he won here. Um and, and so that hasn't been great. This is probably a good spot for him, and we might see a turnaround. But I, I don't know. I mean, is he still in the distance chase mode, or has he gotten back to what makes Web Web? That's a big question of mine. It, it's hard to go after distance, and and I, I've heard him talk about it. He he values distance. He knows that it's a big trend on tour, and feels that his advantage is. Um, will be increased if he improves his distance. But if it comes at the cost of his iron play, then it's a worry for me, which he said it, it has. So I still don't know if Webb has gotten back to what he wants to do with his iron play um, or if he's still going after the distance. And I'll tell you, it's really hard to stay away from distance because you are at a disadvantage without it. You have to play so great without it. But it's, it's attractive. It's, shi- it's a shiny toy. You, you want it. And when you get a little bit of it, you don't want to give it back, hmm. which is another, it's another problem. Um, it, it's really hard to just work on your distance and then let your iron play catch up, especially if you're working on, you know, hitting up on the ball and all that stuff. So I have my worries. I have my reservations with Webb and I haven't seen enough to really feel like he's headed back in the right direction
0: unfortunately, this is kind of like the Jordan Spieth litmus test from last week. This is kind of like one of Webb's litmus tests, right? Like, yeah, very fair. If he didn't, if he, if he goes out and misses the cut and plays poorly here, I'd be like, Oh, I'm not, I'm a little bit worried about that. But now with Sony and that it's yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Let's go down to the sevens. I'm not going to read off all of these names, but the top of the list, Abraham answer, Billy Horschel and new winner on the worldwide stage, Harold Varner, the third, you go down to the bottom and at a flat $7,000, Mito Pereira, Francesco Molinari, Carlos Ortiz, to name a few. And I think, Sia, the most mispriced golfer in this entire field is in the $7,000 range.
2: Any any hints? Like low sevens, high sevens, mid sevens? Mm. Uh, he is in the
0: high sevens. Luke List? No, but you're close. Darn. Max Holma?
2: Nope. Oh, I know who it is.
0: it's it's, taylor gooch it's taylor gooch come on this is a joke this is a joke price on taylor gooch right (laughs) it's he so he missed the cut two weeks ago when everybody was super excited about him and then he um finished t20 at the farmers which is like okay great all that good stuff he is one of the better Approach players on the PGA tour. He is uh, like, I I just, I don't get this. And he is priced. He's, he's $2,000 too cheap. He's $2,000 too cheap. This is a, this is a course we know like caters to ball strikers or caters, caters to
1: approach players. So Rick, how, how much do you put, how much course history do you weigh into this? I know C is high on it. Does it depend on what your experience is?
0: So... I, I think this week is a pretty good course history week. It's pretty sticky, but, um, I put Gooch into the bucket of like, he's by far the best he's ever been right now. So it's kind of hard to put same with Seamus power. Like it's kind of hard to look at what they've done previously when they're kind of a completely different golfer. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Burns, maybe could fall in that category too. Yeah. Guys that kind of like took in 12 months took a leap. They're hard yeah, to look back fair. at what they've done anywhere.
1: I mean, I love uh, when I, I looked at Taylor Gooch and I love what you have right here. This page, there's a lot to love. The The question is when I type in what he's done here, it it doesn't, you know, I think tied 61st is his best.
0: Yeah. So Greg's Gooch. referencing two missed cuts in a T61 in the last three years.
1: Yeah. And that's concerning. And you see one of those in, in two of those three, he gained stroke and approach. But doesn't pop very well. Doesn't drive it very well, Um, and and that's I would say the concern for me with Gooch is if does he have the driver in play?
0: Yeah, because you can put up some big numbers if you
1: yeah are off with you end up. I mean, not everybody has somebody has has a group of fans who can move a boulder out of your way out there, (laughs) right? That isn't going to happen to everybody. So that's a little. I don't know. I, I'm interested. I'm glad to hear you're high on him, Rick, because that was my big concern. And you could you could push me off of that because I don't really love this range. I got a guy in the down low, and I got a couple guys
0: I'm lukewarm on, Gooch being one of them. I just think he's had basically one bad tournament in six months, and every and now he's missed. I just think he's. I just think he should be like ninety one hundred, and he's seventy eight hundred. That's really my, that's really my take on it. Um, Are you playing him? Yeah, I'll play him for sure. Yeah. I I might go with the Gooch Cooch combo in the $7,000 range. Ooh. Yeah. Talk to me about Cooch. Cooch is not a guy I generally back, but he's been playing better here in 2022. He actually just missed uh, his first cut of the year at Pebble Beach, which like, I don't really care about at all. We're starting to see some stabilization in some of the ball striking categories, his record around uh, Phoenix. Like we're kind of running out of spots to use Kuchar, but his record of Phoenix is great. He's lost strokes T to green just once in the last like decade here. I mean, it's, it's a bunch of top tens. I I think it's um, a combination of him playing better than he has recently and going to a quarterback that's probably on the better end of things for him.
2: Okay. My question for Kuchar, so here's the thing. I had Kuchar last week, so I'm a little, you know, a little biased probably because of how poorly he performed. But the, the problem with Kuchar, I wonder, is what's the upside there? Because when you're looking at the other guys in the 7K range, like a Taylor Gooch, like a, you know, a Luke List, I, I just, or even that's like okay. a Keith Mitchell, I just wonder, Aaron Wise, I just wonder how high he can, ascend versus some of those guys in terms of their peak performance
0: that's a fair criticism especially compared to the guys around him this week because it's a deeper field
2: and the only what's funny is the only reason i thought of that is because when Kucher missed the cut i was pretty disappointed in myself and the reason is is because he was the last one in my lineup i did like him but i also like joel damon and and in my head i was like Kucher's safer but i feel like damon has joel damon has the upside and clearly, I was right about that, but I didn't put him in my lineup. So that got me really thinking, especially in the 7K range. Like, if, if Taylor Gooch, I think, is a really good example because I agree that with Greg's what, – what Greg was sort of recapping with, with my approach, course history is really important to me. But a guy like Taylor Gooch, I'm willing to make, at least in some of my lineups, an exception because of what his upside likely is. Whereas – with other guys, if they don't have good course history, and I don't think they have top five, top six upside, I'm just not interested. And I feel like Kucher might fall into that zone. I got another guy with great upside. Yeah, if you're ready to move on from, Kuchar. I'm I'm
0: definitely ready to move on from Matt Kucher. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm not sure what to do with the. He's in a very similar category to me as Taylor Gooch. Okay, um, very similar upside, I would say. And it's it's Homa. Mm. I'm very interested in Homa. I'm not in love with it. I'm lukewarm on it, but I I feel like he's worth the chance. And has kind of got me on the upside, you know, talking upside here. His upside is as high as anybody. And you look at what he's done lately. The ball striking has slipped slightly, you know, but you see some minor loses, losses there and um, approaching the green. Before right. that, you saw a streak of really, really great iron play. And then if you go to what he, what he's done in Phoenix before he has, He's played three times. He's got a T26, a T6, and a T42. He's gained at least 1.8 strokes approach in all three of those. And he has had a pop putting week here, mm-hmm. which led to that T6. So I wonder if, if you're going to see, and you know he loves to get in on some of those bets and he, he'll <laughs> have a Dodgers bet or something and he'll have to wear, a, I don't know, a Braves jersey. On yeah, the or a Giants goal, jersey
0: or something. Right. Yeah.
1: So he, he loves that fan activity and I could see this being a good place for him. So what, what do you guys think? Cause I'm, I'm kind of interested.
2: I, I personally love what we, we just saw. If you guys aren't watching us on YouTube, when he was successful, and he's been pretty successful here, he's gaining across the board. And and I just love to see that because I think there are some guys who have, whether it's this tournament or any other, they have good finishing positions, but then you you dig a little deeper and you find out they gain like nine strokes putting or something. And it's like, oh, that's not really a good representation of how I think they're going to perform in the future. That it, it would be such a good time to take Max Homa because he has the upside, like you're saying, and nobody's really going to be paying attention to him because he has such downside. But again, in tournaments, that's probably where you want to go
0: yeah, it's kind of a tricky little seven thousand dollars range because you can get high upsides. you can get high floor. You can kind of do anything. see are, are there any are, is there anybody else or maybe a couple guys? I, I think you had said Aaron Wise earlier. you're certainly not going to get an argument. Oh, um, yes from me I'd love to a- talk Aaron wise if we could. yeah. let's do let's do the Aaron wise conversation.
2: Yeah, he's definitely one of the guys I like. I mean, he's he's a scorer first of all. He, the last thirty six rounds, he hasn't been amazing or anything, but he's he's top ten in DraftKings points, which I think yeah. is telling us something. Uh, and he's obviously trending in the right direction. I think he kind of has a lower floor than than most people think, in spite of these finishing positions that are actually really impressive. But in this field, I'm not. He's certainly not a lock to make the cut, but at the same time, he's probably a little mispriced. His history isn't great here but it's not like deplorable like he missed cut made cut he just hasn't like really done well but again he's in a different position now he's playing a little bit better now
0: he lost 10 strokes wow yeah. here last wow year. um <laughs> but I, I that, that's, I think, what that's the, the, the I think that's right. the right
1: here <laughs> right i mean the, he he lost 10 strokes so is this almost the opposite of what we were just talking about with um uh, I don't know. I, I've lost. I lost my train of thought here. Where I was going with this, but look at what I guess this is kind of the uh, the Taylor Gooch conversation, right? He's a he's a different player now than he was in in his previous experiences here, and so I look at what Aaron Wise has done here, where one one year he lost ten strokes putting in four rounds, but but if you look at what he's done lately on the greens that's been a, a big improvement yeah. really in, in through the entire fall
0: that is so we probably we, a catalyst Craig for for the the change going back to the broomstick and he is now a much 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 better putter so that I mean that's like
1: he hit rock mm-hmm. bottom there and now you get a a chance at revenge and he's made he 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 went to the broomstick as you mentioned figured something out and now he's seeing results. So I, you can rule that out in my opinion. And yeah, I love what he's done approaching the green. I think he's a, I think he's a viable option at a great price. Yeah.
2: No that's, arguments it, for me there. It's rare when you can point to like a, a, a switch in the putter or switch in somebody's form or game and then actually see the results at that. That's super compelling. Let me just point out a couple other guys I like in the seven K range. I already mentioned Luke list just really quickly. Uh, obviously an amazing ball striker. There there have been putters here that are bad putters that have won. Kyle Stanley, to name uh, one. So, I mean, uh, you know, Luke List has obviously won recently. But I'm just saying, like, you you don't need to be an elite putter here. His history is clearly good with uh, three out of the last four tournaments, top 30s in, in all three of those. Probably a better player now than he was then, of course. Two other guys I'll just mention real quick. Brandon Grace, his history here is great. And he's another guy. He didn't play last year, but he played in 2020 and 2019. He's another guy that like did it the right way, in my opinion, where he gained across all four categories in 2020 and 2019. He gained over six strokes ball striking in both, and then also gained around the green and with the putter. And the last guy is TPC Lee, otherwise known as KH Lee. He was second last year. He was he was pretty so good. Like PC again, Lee. Yeah, I was just <laughs> real fluid. I've been practicing. So you um. You look at the metrics last year, and they were they were pretty good. It wasn't just like this you know, crazy second place where he just gained in one area. So at 7,300, knowing that this is a TPC course, knowing that Cage Lee has been making cuts uh, and was second here last year, I think he's an interesting choice as well.
0: Does he like I, dominate I TPCs a, or something?
2: He's been known to be popular on TPC courses.
0: We're going to debunk this right now. <laughs> Let's do it. So I'll just I'm just gonna select every TPC. I'll include the old white TPC in there as well. So I'll I'll do every TPC golfers in this field dating back to 2018. Now we got to kind of put this into perspective because KH Lee is what? Seven how, what's his price? 70, uh, he's uh well he's in the sevens, seven three hundred. Right? Seventy three hundred. Here we go. So he's gaining about a half a stroke per round on TPC courses, a little bit less than that. Uh, it's probably, it's probably higher than his, I'll tell you what, outside of this stretch here. So if you just go back to really the start of 2021, it's been amazing. Pretty good. Watch this. Okay. Hold on a second. We're just going to keep, we're just going to keep diving here. Yeah. Uh, he basically doubles. He gets twice as good. If you just go back to the start of 2021 the 30, I guess that's like 12, uh, 12 starts or so, or eight starts or so, whatever that is. Wow. Okay. All right. My nickname is born. It holds TP, TPC Lee. It doesn't, I'm going to have to get better at it, at it rolling off the tongue, but okay. I like it. See ya. Awesome. All right, let's go down to the $6,000 range and find some value here. Adam Hadwin, Brendan Todd, Chris Kirk, Hudson Swafford, Lucas Glover at the top and the men priced golfers for this week. My favorite part of the week. Sung, you will know who has made three consecutive cuts, by the way, hmm. Sung Kang, Kelly Kraft, who was lingering at times last week. Mm-hmm. Greg Hocknell, Craig Hocknell. I don't know who that is. So sorry. <laughs> sorry, Craig. Hope you're not listening. William McGirt. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Uh, Greg, what do you got in the $6,000 range for me? Uh, I'm mildly
1: interested in a player like Martin Laird, um, who has had some success here. He's been a little bit of a, a desert fox himself. Um, I am a little bit interested in, a Michael Thompson, although this has not been a great venue for him. I am staying away. I'm done with Brant Snedeker. I'm done. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Adam Long is compelling. And again, these guys, I don't have great, you know, the, like the Aaron Wise, the reasoning behind Aaron Wise success or, um, you know, that kind of analysis, it, it's harder to find here in my opinion, and from what I've seen from this range, but you know, there are a couple of guys that stand out to me and uh, that would be where I go. Um, it, it would be Adam long. It would be Michael Thompson. I guess Matthew Neesmith is another interesting play. Uh, he's yeah. a, he's had one start here, right? A, a T seven. He had a good week going last week. He missed the cut by one. I I'd, I'd say Neesmith. I actually like Neesmith more than Michael Thompson.
0: Okay, I have pulled out uh, two guys out of this range, although I can only remember one of them. Uh, Oh, okay, yeah, got it. So, Kramer Hickok, who, when he's at his best, he's playing out of the fairway. We remember that eight-hole playoff with Harris English at Travelers. Is that right? Yes, yes. Okay, that was Kramer Hickok in that playoff, so he finished runner-up there. Uh, But what we're seeing from him in 2022 is kind of back to the better version of him in the summer. It's the ball-striking version. And also, there is a really weird thing. So, okay, let's get nerdy for a second. Uh, If you do the strokes-gains... The official strokes gained from last week, or from the American Express, excuse me, or last week for that matter, you're only going to have two measured rounds—the two that were at Pebble Beach for last week, or the two that were at the Stadium Course for the American Express. However, uh, just because they're not measured doesn't mean you can't get strokes gained total numbers, and just because you can't get strokes gained total numbers, you don't have to do it by rounds. You can do it by course. So, long story short, what actually happened here is Kramer Hickok gained about a stroke and a half at the American Express. And missed the cut because mm. he was on the wrong end of the draw. He played the harder courses or he played better on the more difficult days. And it actually ended up causing him. He actually missed the cut score wise, but gained more than average, which is a very, very, very rare scenario. Wow. So what does
1: that mean? You rule out that missed cut? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Of course. Right. He he right because that could should have been. So gaining 1.3 on the field would have been uh so that's through 3 rounds but you get him to you know plus 2 or something like that. That would have been a T42 or something or T38 and that would look All a right. lot different than a miscut.
1: So if you had a fourth miscut tied 20th, tied 40th. Okay, I see I see where you're headed there. And then you'd have another you know, you'd have another round to add to these. Maybe right. he gains off the tee again. Maybe he gains a little more approach. Exactly. Those numbers get a little darker green, as exactly. you see here on rickrungood.com. Uh, All right.
0: Soon to be on Yeah. Yeah. It's nerdy, it's, but I like it. It's it's deep. It's nerdy. And uh, he's only $6,400. So I feel like you can kind of, huh. you know, you chances.
1: The, this is a, a huge thing about missed cuts is they are way over. It's such a final thing, right? You see, C-U-T, oh, he played terrible. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, Matthew Neesmith a perfect example of it. He played a great week and it just wasn't quite enough. And you missed the cup by one. It doesn't mean you're in bad form. Just being, you know, you're a couple of away. You see how, you see what kind of difference Jordan Spieth missing a five footer at 17 makes in the outcome of the tournament. Yeah. The swing that that led to was enormous. And those moments happen throughout the tournament for different players. And it can lead to a miscut without bad play. So I I totally see your point there, Rick.
0: Yeah. All miscuts are not created equal. So keep that in mind. Uh, Sia, you started this show. The first thing you said was something to the effect of, Boys, 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 if you want to play John Rom and Justin Thomas, you can do it, and it's going to leave you with $6,800 per golfer the rest of the way. Well, time to put your money where your mouth is. What, Like, what what, what are we doing? Well, if you really want – by the way, the, the best men
2: price golfer at 6K is probably Brandon Hagee. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, great off the tee. He has made a cut here before. I'm not playing him. I'm just saying if you're going down to that range – I think Brandon Haggy makes some sense. Um, it's I actually like this range. I think there's some guys that are going to make the cut in this range. Uh, Hank Lebiota is only 6,200. His oh. game is starting to come around. I'm not expecting you know a top 20 finish from him, but I know he has the upside to make the cut here. Adam Hadwin has good history here, and he's been playing well. I'm surprised Greg didn't bring him up. He's, Me too. He's 6,900. He's he's towards no, the top I'm, I'm done with him. He <laughs> fired He him? sounded, by the way, Greg sounded really emotional when he said he was done with uh, Brant Snedeker. Ah, I mean, it, it, the last two weeks, it was, it was just so
1: perfect, and honestly, they were, it was a great pick, and he just well. Let's yeah. me
2: down. <laughs> Great, great's a big word, Greg.
3: You okay, so
2: <laughs> I mean, uh, a couple, just a couple other names. Nate, you were gonna say you didn't let you down that much. <laughs> <laughs> Nate Lashley's another guy that's had uh, pretty good experience here. He's been hitting the the ball well here the last two mm-hmm. years. Uh, I think that's a pretty good discounted price. Uh, Miliano Griot, sixty seven hundred. Um, he has some decent experience here as well. One other guy I wanted to bring up, and he's right above Griot. Do we know what's going... And by the way, I think Sahith Tagal is interesting too, even coming off that missed cut. Um, Charlie Hoffman, like what's going
0: on? Sahith's was an MDF, wasn't it? Yes. Or am I... Okay, yeah. No, it's an MDF. Okay. Um, What is going on with Charlie Hoffman? I have no idea.
2: Because Which, he's 6,700. So it's, it's kind of like the burger conversation where he is a great ball striker. At least he was at the middle of last year. If he is healthy... I mean, I, I'm not saying I really want to play him, but he certainly has the upside, not just to clear the cut, but to top 30 in this thing.
0: Um, back injury, is that what he cited? I mean, we're not going to get any information. It's going to be, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be very similar to Berger. He had gained two strokes. Uh, what, what do one round? Did he play one round or two rounds last week? I thought it was one round last week. I think it was I one round as well. One. I think it was one round as well. Um, I don't know, man. If he's if he's healthy, you'd think he's mispriced. It's an, it's it's extremely risky,
1: because that's the. Too. I mean, if if we have a a real number at Pebble, you know, at tied nineteenth or something, this he he's it way he's priced way higher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just
2: think it's something to monitor. If for some reason yeah. we hear from his his mouth that he he's totally fine and last week was precautionary, which doesn't sound like it was now that I think about it. I think at 6,700, he'd be a pretty good play.
0: I have one question from each of you um, from the chat. And I'm vamping until I can find the one that I'm looking for. Okay, this one's for you, Sia. Mm-hmm. going to take it, this is from Brian. Going to take a stab at the two hundred dollar single entry. Should he approach it straight stars and scrubs, or with the strength of the field? Should he look to be look to the middle and find a middle of the pack contrarian play?
2: Well, I don't know that you need to find a quote middle of the pack contrarian play. I built a couple of lineups, and I I took John Rahm and then I took somebody in the low. That, that's I'm not saying he should take John Ram, I'm just saying that's where I decided to start my lineup. And then I took somebody in the low 9K range. It might've been Bubba. And then I was able to to really kind of mix and match a lot of the 7K guys that I liked. And I think I might've peppered it one 8K guy. But for me, I think there's a lot of 7K guys that have plenty of upside. So that's sort of how I'm built. I don't want to go full quote scrubs because scrubs to me implies like 6K range or very low 7K range. I think you can mess around with an elite guy. A lot of the guys in the upper 7K range or mid 7K range, and then still get some guys in the 9K range as well.
0: Okay. Thank you, Sia. Greg, this one is specifically asked to you. It says mm. Greg. Yeah, Greg. I'm loving the rap after the first two rounds on PGA Radio. Will you have that all season?
1: Uh, well, first of all, thank you for listening. It is. Great. Um, I have really enjoyed doing that. It's it's very it's very much like what we do here. You know, I love getting a chance to talk about golf any chance I get. So I will be doing that periodically it's about two weeks so i'll do thursday and friday about two weeks a month so i did three in a row and i think i'm only going to have one in february but about you know give or take every other week okay yeah fair which enough. is thank which I, i'm uh again very excited about so thank you for listening and rick awesome joined stuff. us maybe That's we'll right. get see on too at some point it's very exciting so, yeah it's cool
0: stuff. all right i think that'll do it gentlemen Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. We're going to be back on Tuesday for the mega preview pod. And of course, round by round recaps after the conclusion of every single broadcast. But for now, that'll do Greg Ducharme can be found on Twitter at the real GFDC and a can be found at Sia Najad. I can be found at Rick run good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time.